0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Well, please allow me to introduce you to Abram. You go, Abram? Yeah. Most people know him as Abraham, right? That's how we see him in the Bible. And of course, if you grew up in church, you know that he is known as Father Abraham. Why? Because he had many sons, right? You remember growing up, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I mean, I remember teaching that to my kids there in Sunday school and it was Father Abraham. Now, listen, he's Father Abraham because he had many sons and we know that it's a spiritual descendants that he had. And, And of course, it's just amazing. But listen, the story didn't start out that way okay? Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to look back, man. Take, take the lenses just out a little bit and see, Abram, okay, is Father Abraham, right? Let's just, Father, he, he's, he, God used him in an amazing way. Can we agree with that? But the story didn't start out that way, okay? Here's what I want you to see. Abram was a man that God called, and he called from ordinary to extraordinary, from ordinary to extraordinary. Before we jump into our story, guys, let's go back for a moment, guys, and see exactly where he came from and what God can do with a man who is obedient. And I say, a man. what can he do if we're just obedient, right? He can pull us from ordinary to extraordinary because that's exactly what he did with Abram. See, Abram was about 75 years old when he was called, okay, now listen, he was called to leave all that he knew and to follow A God he had just met. He was 75 years old. Now, Abram followed God until he died at 175. So for 100 years, he followed hard and fast after God. Now, impressive, but remember where Abraham was called from. Okay, God met him right where he was. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's something that we don't talk about a whole lot. Do you realize that Abraham was an idol-making, idol-worshiping family living in the Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern-day Iraq? You go, wait, what? Wait, 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 Tom I thought you said this was Father Abraham, who had many sons, many sons. I mean, we sing that in Sunday school. What is going on? Well, here's the thing. Listen, I don't know if you realize it, but I want to take you back just a little bit okay, I want to take you back, okay, God met Abram right where he was, where was he, he was an idol making, idol worshiping family living in an idol, in an, in an idolistic world, if you will, in, in, a, in a town called the Ur of Chaldeans that, that worshipped idols, you go, what, yeah, let, let's chat for just a moment, okay, Throughout the story, throughout throughout the teaching, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna interchange Abram with Abraham. You guys know here's what happens. And in chapter 17, God actually changes his name from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. But right now, we're just gonna interchange. He might might say Abram, I might say Abraham, but here's what we know. Abraham was born and raised where? Well, first of all, he was born and raised in the earth Chaldees. Now Abraham is called a friend of God. Now we know that, right? The father of the Jews and the father of the faithful. Here's what you need to see. Father Abraham is honored not only by the Jews, but he's also honored by the Arabs or the Muslims and the Christians as a great man. There's three religions that come that look to Abraham as their father, okay? So you're going, okay, who was that? That was the Christians, the Jews, and the Muslim, okay? That's what he did. We know that he was born, let's go back just a little bit, he was raised in the Ur of Chaldees. Guys, the Ur of Chaldees, if you're taking note, is modern-day Iraq, okay? It's near um, Nasiriyah, okay, Nasiriyah, and it's in the southern part of the country. Joshua actually tells us in chapter 24, verse 2, that Abraham and his father worshipped idols. That ah, blew my mind, okay? Now, we can take some educated guesses about the religion by looking at the history and kind of looking at just the religious artifacts. But here's what we learned. Let's go back just a little bit more. So now you have Abram. Okay. Who is just ordinary. He's just living his life. He's worshiping idols. He's not supposed to do that. He doesn't know God yet. God meets him right where he is. But, but the, the, but Stephen, right when he's about to get stoned, he's, he's going to give some history. And Acts chapter seven, verses two and three says this. Then Stephen's reply was, brothers insist, brother, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. And God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Now, here's what he's saying in Acts chapter 7. And one of the things that we need to pull out of there is he says, He says, Listen, Abraham is living, and God spoke to him while he was living in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia is Ur of the Chaldees, so here's what we learn: we learn that God is actually speaking to Abraham. Abraham, right where he's at, or of the Chaldees. Everybody got that. Where is there? a Modern day Iraq, right? You know exactly where he's at. If you were to go to Iraq, that's, that's where he is. Now you go, what's he doing right now? He's, according to the word of God, this family is worshiping idols and, and he's the, I mean, this is what's going on, okay? So it says, before he even left that, God spoke to him. God came to him and said, leave your native land. Leave your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. But where is he right now? He's in Mesopotamia, okay? Ur of the Chaldees. This is the city that Abram grew up in. Ur of the Chaldees, guys, was an ancient city that flourished until about 300 B.C., there was a there was this great ziggurat. Everybody know what a ziggurat is? It's this huge tower of Ur that was built by a fellow by the name of ur namu Ur-Nammu around 2100 BC and it was dedicated to Nana. Nana is actually the moon god, okay? So now you've got this big and I mean and, and and you would talk about the remember we talked about the Tower of Babel, they would often call that a ziggurat, but it's this tower or temple is kind of what you get. And so what they're doing is saying, oh, "Okay, so he built this thing. He says, okay, we're going to worship Nana. Nana is the moon god, the moon god. And so you go, wait, I thought my Nana was my grandma. Well, that's a whole nother story, but this is exactly what it is. And so in Mesopotamia, in the era of Chaldees, guys, the moon was worshiped. Okay. So they're worshiping the moon uh, every time at night as the moon came up. Oh, that was the time for worship and 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 here's what we learned we learned that they worshiped the moon because they felt that it had power and that it controlled the heavens and it actually controlled the life cycle of the earth so to the chaldeans the the phases of the moon actually represented like the the natural cycle of birth the natural cycle of growth and decay. So they kind of looked at it as like, as we worship the moon, well, here's where the moon is and that represents birth and oh, here it is and that's life and then we go to the older and then it's death and it's kind of the circle of life and so that's kind of how they measured and worshiped the yearly calendar. Well, among, guys, the the different... Mesopotamian gods, if you will, Nana was supreme, okay, because he was the source of fertility for the crops, the herds, and the families, so what they did is they offered prayers and offering, and they were offered to the moon to what? Well, what do we do with worship? We want to invoke their blessing. We want to, hey, I'm going to worship you in hopes that I get a, a blessing, and that's what's going on, guys, here That's what's going on in Abraham's life or Abram's life. So here's what we learned Abraham was just a man like you and me. He was just a man, a human, walking through life, and one day Abraham met God. And here's what I want you to see when someone meets God for real, their lives are never the same. And God is going to go from, he's going to go, Abraham's going to go from ordinary to live an extraordinary life an extraordinary life. He's going to go from over here, guys, just minding his business, doing what culturally he thinks that he should do. This is what we do. What do we do? Well, the moon rises, and we worship the moon god. Dad, what do you think? Yeah, that's kind of what we do. God's going to meet him, and it's going to change his life. And this is so important. Why? Because this is how we need to check our own lives. Why? Because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. There are a lot of people who claim to be Christians. I'm a Christian. You say, okay, when did you get born again? I'm not sure. What do you mean, born again? I know I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Christian. No, no. When did you give your life to Jesus? You see, being born again is a work of the spirit and it's something. And when you meet Jesus for reals, your life is changed. It's different. It's never the same. And that's exactly what happens to Abraham. Now, when people come forward and they stand right here and I'll say, okay, the first thing I'll tell them is words alone aren't sufficient to save because you can pray a prayer, but that does not mean you're born again. What means you're born again is when God comes inside you and your life begins to change. Now, it doesn't change all at once. God doesn't go, let me show you everything you've ever done wrong. Let me, He starts to work on you and you start going, man, I'm, I'm thinking different. I'm, I'm, I'm acting different. My, my values are different. That's what it means when we're born again. Now, for some of us, We hit the pedal to the metal, and we excel, and we're walking with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Others might take just a little bit longer. They're just trying to soak it all in, and they grow, and you see them grow, and it's so beautiful to see. But that's the point, guys. The point is is that God met Abraham, and his life was changed. Now, just to expand this point, guys, let me give you... Let me give you some other folks who God used in an amazing way, okay? From ordinary to extraordinary. Now, I'm not going to dive into it. I just want to talk about them for just a minute. Think about Gideon, right? Think about Gideon. We can say Gideon went from a zero to a hero. He was someone that God used in an amazing way. Wouldn't you agree? Judges chapter six. I'll tell you another one. You can jot this down. Barnabas. Barnabas, you could write was a, the encourager ex- extraordinaire. That guy just loved to encourage people. He just loved it. You know what? Listen, if you ever had a bad day, that's the dude to text, right? I mean, Barnabas would be like, hey, how's it going, man? You listen. And, and that's what we should strive to be. That's what we should strive to be encouragers extraordinaire. Lifting people up, speaking life into them. Listen, church, the world is hard enough as it is walking through those doors and seeing just all of the stuff that we have to go through as believers. I think we should be a Barnabas. We should be encouraging people and we should be lifting people up. And maybe you can't see it face to face, but one of the things that we can do is we can pray to a God and say, we need to lift people up. We need to say, how you doing? It's going to be okay, right? God's got this you're okay. And so that's the one thing we need to do. I think of Barnabas. Another guy that I think, remember, he was, he was nobody. We talked about this in, on Sunday morning, but it's, it's Nehemiah. Nehemiah, guys, think about this, man. He had vision. He went from a vision to victory. Nehemiah, if you want to learn about leadership, leadership, I mean, think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, man, he had the plan. He worked the plan. And, and he was a guy that God used in an amazing way, in amazing ways. As a matter of fact, Next week, when we're in Israel, we're actually going to see, you know, I mean, just, just some of the, the, uh, the ruins of where Nehemiah came back to build the wall. There's some of them right there in the old city. Think about this one. How about this? Moses. Moses, right? Think about Moses. What did Moses say? God, don't pick me. I can't talk. Ah, oh, God, no. You know what? But he went, Moses was somebody that, God, he went from fearful to Faithful. I think of Moses. And I know what you're thinking. Maybe Old Testament Esther. Esther is another good example, right? For such a time as this, God used. And you go, Pastor, what's your point? Listen, can I just say this to you, okay? If God can use Gideon and Barnabas and Nehemiah and Moses and the disciples, and God can use Abram, can I just say this to you? And I want you to write this down somewhere because I mean it with all of my heart. God is still writing your story. God is still writing your story, Okay, And oh, how he loves to take those that the world just throws away and, he, and use them for his glory. Let us not be, guys, let us not be people who write off, uh, off people just because the world does. God's still writing your story. He's got a huge plan and he's got a great, he, it's just, it's out there. And he wants to take us, listen, even as a church, he wants to take us from ordinary to extraordinary. And that doesn't mean we have to be filled up and that doesn't mean we have to be a mega church, but he wants to take us guys and he wants to use us in a way that we can impact Lubbock, Texas. That's the whole purpose we're here. That's the whole reason that every one of us just with our eyes focused on Jesus and our hearts entwined to him, that we would make a difference in our little, in our little circle for God's glory. And that when people see me and people see you, they see Jesus and it makes a change, it makes a difference. They see in this world they see enough people claiming to be Christians but living so different that they're not even they're not even stumped by it anymore. How about this? How about how about they see a group of people that say I'm going to claim to live like I'm going to claim to know Jesus and I'm going to live that way. That's what he that's what they need to see. They need to see real authentic People who, even if they make mistakes, still follow Jesus and still love him and still pray and still get up and shake themselves off and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. They need to see that. Our kids need to see that. Our family needs to see that. Even when, we're, even when we battle a storm in our lives, guys, even when, we're, when, when things aren't that great that we can get up and we can go, I'm still going to follow Jesus. And I know because he is the ultimate goal. He is the end goal. That's what I want to see. I want people to see real in me, real in me. Church, listen, I know there are times, guys, when we feel like throwing in the towel. We're just like, man, things are tough, man. But God's not done with us. And I believe He wants to move us from ordinary to extraordinary. I believe if you believe that, right? And even, listen... write, Write this down. Even when we make mistakes. Anybody make mistakes? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Even when he makes mistakes, listen, Abram's going to blow it, and God's still going to use him. He's still going to blow it, okay? So let's see what happens. Let's jump into our story, guys, picking it up in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12. It says, now, the Lord had said to Abram. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Can I get an amen? Amen. What a great verse, isn't that? God, first and foremost, speaking to Abram right speaking to abram now you might raise your hand and go pastor i want god to speak to me but he does guys he does if we'll come with our hearts opened and say god speak to me through his word he does amazing things he will speak to you sometimes we want him to speak in an audible voice we want him to say go here go there don't do this watch out there but god will speak but here's what you got to do you got to check your heart for just a moment and see if you were really walking with god You've got to check your heart and go, where am I with you, Lord? Because, because I'm not sure if I'm getting anything from the word. I'm not sure where. I, l- listen, I'm just... Re- okay, go back. Go back a little bit because God now is speaking to Abraham. But notice what he says. He says, Abram, I've got some words for you. I've got some words for you. Well, what were they? Well, now remember, here's what I need you to see in the first three verses. Remember, God, guys, had called Abraham already once. He called him when he was living in the Ur of Chaldees, when he was living in modern day Iraq. He had called him, okay? He had already said that. We're going to see that, okay? The problem was is that he said, okay, God had already spoke to him because Stephen says that. Stephen said that in Acts chapter 7, 2 and 3, it says... Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor, Abraham, where? Not in Haran, but in Mesopotamia. So it's like, oh, well, that stands to reason. So you go, okay, so here yeah, we call him, but here's the problem. The problem is that Abraham followed his dad, Terah. And instead of going all the way where he's supposed to, they made the trek up north and landed in Haran, in Haran. You go, okay, so what's the point? Well, here's what we learned last week, guys. Here's the point I want to make. Here's where we got to take this. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You ready? God called Abraham, where? To go to the land of Canaan, the promised land. Dad, Terah, right? He only makes it as far as Haran. He only goes up north. Now you go, what do you mean? Okay, look at me, please. If you go to Israel today, Iraq sits here. The promised land sits here. Okay, this is, the, this is just a huge desert. I, I find it interesting that he didn't just it across. It's probably too much. He just kind of skirted up north, okay? And he went up north and he landed right up in Haran. Now, in order to come back down, it's probably the trade route. It's probably where most people traveled. This is where there was water and everything else. So I don't blame dad for going that route. But dad actually went, up north, guys, and he went up 700 miles up north, okay? And he and he stayed in Haran. Now, if we go back, we go, wait a minute, didn't Stephen say that God had called Abram to go where? To Haran? No, he said, go to the land of Canaan, go to the land that I'm gonna show you. But dad ended up in Haran. You go, pastor, what's the point you're trying to make? Well, last week we learned that the problem was is that he stayed in Haran. Even Abraham stayed in Haran. And that's actually where, where Terah died. Abraham's dad died there. And you go, well, what's your thought? Well, here's my thought. If we were to take that scenario, okay, God, yes, sir, I want you to go to the promised land. I want you to go. I want you to get out of your father's country. Okay, I want you to get out of the family. Okay, first and foremost, dad comes with me, okay? So I'm not necessarily getting out of my father. Okay, so what do I do? And dad says, okay, well, let's go, but then we're gonna hang out at Haran. I think we should just live here. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Let's take that scenario, guys, and let's apply it to the Christian life, and here's what we see. Here's what we discovered, guys. Here's what we discovered. We discovered, guys, that sometimes many of us in our walk with God are like Abraham's father, you go, what? What do you mean? See, God has called us to do something extraordinary, something amazing, and we only go about halfway and stop. And we never get all that God has for us. We never have, we never experience. And what happens, guys, is we, only, we die without God's very, very best. God said, go here. Yeah, I don't know. I think I might, you know, I might do this and I don't know. And listen, for Abraham, it's going to take faith. And I think for us too, it's going to take faith, faith to say, listen, I, I hear what God is wanting me to do and I need to step out in faith and I need to trust him. We're going to see that Abraham is going to be put through the test just like us. But here's what we learned, guys. Here's what we know. We know that, guys, this is the second call. This is this is God reiterating the second call to Abram, okay? So here's what we have to contend with. Here's what, here's what we have to work with, okay? God told Abraham, get out of your country. Get out from your family. Get out from your father's house. Now, remember... Here's the one thing that we have to remember, guys. Abraham or Abram had to separate himself from the things that did not allow him to walk closer to God. Why? Because he said, listen, here, here, here's what we do. What was he doing? Well, in his country was idol worship. Okay, what were they worshiping? It was the worshiping the moon God called Nana, right? So they're so they're worshiping that. So God comes, and in his wisdom, he says, you need to get out from worshiping that. And your family is kind of involved in it, so you need to get away from your family, too. You need to get away, Abraham. You need to get away. Now, here's what we got to contend with, okay? Abraham had to leave the Ur of Chaldees. He had to go to a new place. He had to walk by faith, and he had to trust the Lord. Would you agree with that? You're like, okay, why? Because of, of, let me just say it this way. It's really hard to serve the Lord when the world has its arms around you. You go, wait, 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 Pastor, what, what do you mean? See, I believe that God calls us out of things, okay, away from things, away from people, away from relationships that try to drag us back into bondage. I want you to think of Abraham. I want you to think for just a moment. Abraham! Abraham! Okay, I want you to serve me. Okay, Lord, I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to serve you as I serve the moon God. No, 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 no. Listen, there's no idols. You need to serve me. And so what God does in our lives as believers is sometimes he will break relationships with us. He will, not with us, he'll, he'll say some relationships need to go, some things you need to let go of because if you hold on to these things, you're going to try to worship me while still worshiping these idols. You guys tracking with me? And I believe he told us, and I think he does that with the believer. I think he does that believer, right? Because, and, and not because he's like, man, I'm mad at you and you shouldn't have fun. He just knows that it's going to pull us back into bondage. And the thing about it, guys, is that if we, if we can recognize, okay, God is calling me away from this, or God wants me to put away these things, or, 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 or you know, and, and, and I mean, think about social media. For social, for some people, social media is what? An idol. And God says, listen, I'm calling you to give up social media. And you go, no, that's my, that's my jam. That's what I, and He saying, no, because what happens is that you're going to be put in bondage back again. And I want to set you free. Now it's not only social media, but it's relationships and it's, and it's, and it's sports teams. And it's, I mean, guys, we can, it's, there's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. And so he says, get out, Right. He's calling Abraham, get away. he doesn't want to drag us back into bondage. And oftentimes, oftentimes, we may leave the Ur of Chaldees, but we take stuff with us. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me give you an example. Do you guys remember Rachel? When Rachel left, right? What did she, she took all the house, she took Laban's, all her household taraphims, right? She took them and... She, this is how she grew up. This is what she knew. And when he came looking, she was sitting on them, right? She was hiding them. And it was like, no, Rachel, these are household gods. Those are household idols that you didn't need. I'm calling you into a new relationship. I'm calling you into a new relationship. So back in the word of God, guys, he says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and all the families of the earth you shall be blessed. Now, here's what I love, guys, and I don't know if you can see it just a little bit, but I love the fact that we can see the seven I wills here, almost like the seven I am's that we see in the New Testament. But think about this. He says, I will show you a land, right? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. So God's just doing this this great thing with Abram, right? This power-packed first few verses. And then in verse 2, he says, Abram, yes, sir, I'm going to make you a great nation. Right? Everybody see that in verse 2? I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, here's what I want you to think about, okay? Put on your thinking caps for just a moment. When God made this promise to Abraham, here's what I want you to remember. He had no son, And this just blows my mind, right? Because he makes a promise and he says, Abraham, yes, sir, you got no kids. I know, Lord. He says, but I'm gonna make you a great nation. How, right? Well, here's what you wanna jot down, guys. He was referencing right here, guys, the reference was the Jewish nation, the Jewish nation. And he says, the descendants of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob, And he says, man, this is how I'm going to make you a great nation. you go, well, pastor, what's the point? Sometimes, guys, the promises of God are so much bigger than they are for me personally that God wants to do even bigger things than just a personal promise. Because he wants to make a great nation out of Abram. Now, notice with me, he says, I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Everybody got that? Did you see that? Here's my question. Did God bless Abraham and make his name great, yes or no? He did, right? In three ways. If you're taking note, absolutely, temporal. He, made, he, he blessed him temporally. You go, how so? Jot this down. Genesis 13 and 2 says, and Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. We know that. Temporal, man, amen. I blessed, God blessed him. Genesis 24:35 says this: "And the Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks, herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys." So, when God says, "I'm going to bless him," there are times that He will bless us financially. There are times. Can you? Can we agree? There are times. There are times you're like, man, I got a bonus. That's a, yeah, or whatever you need. And he does that, right? He does that. But, but let me say this, okay? Let me say this. We look at scripture like this and we go, man, I wish I was rich. I mean, I wish I had silver and gold and blah, 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 blah. And, and God, you blessed Abraham. Why can't you bless me? But didn't he not bless us this way? He does. But it's not always in the form of silver and gold, but he did that for Abraham. You go. What's the second thing? The second thing is spiritual. Genesis twenty-one and twenty-two. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, spoke to Abraham, saying, "God is with you in all that you do." God. Is, what do you? That's that's worth more than silver and gold. That's more than all the life. I mean, think about it. It's like, yes, God blessed him. Everything you do, God is with you. How cool is that? How cool is that? Everything you step into, man, God is there with you. And people can see it. People can see that that God is with you in all that you do. Was Abraham famous? Absolutely. Genesis 23 and six says this, hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our burial places. None of us will hold from you the burial place that you, bury, that you may bury your dead. So Abraham, man, he, they knew him. They knew. They knew who Abraham was. They knew. He was very famous. So when the Bible says this, I will bless you and make your name great, God did it. God did it. And you're going, okay, okay. So where does the blessing come from, guys? Where How does this all bless? Well, one of the things we need to remember, is through Abraham's obedience. And through obedience comes blessing, right? And the blessings are actually fulfilled. How? We're blessed because of Abraham's seed, who was Jesus. Through the seed of Abraham, who is where we get the Messiah. So, So through his obedience, that's how we're blessed. Look what he says. Go back real quick. And it says right here, and it says, in in you, Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Are we families of the earth? Amen. How are we blessed? Well, I didn't get any of Abraham's wealth. I didn't get any of his camels. No, but through him, we had the Messiah. And when we gave our lives to the Lord, that we're saved. We're saved. And that there's a place in heaven. And here's what the Bible said. It was last week, these two young men gave their lives to the Lord. Here's what his, his, their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Boom. Through Abraham's obedience, we see that. So God's promises are amazingly true. Verse four. So Abraham departed. Oh, amen, Abraham. As the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years when he departed Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Guys, if you have a pencil handy, one of the things you just need to realize is the word possessions there means goods, herds, flocks. He was blessed in Haran. He was, you know what? he was blessed, okay? Everybody everybody get that, right? He departed, okay? So I want to paint the picture for you. There's Abraham. He's in the Ur of Chaldees. Abraham, get out of your father's house. Okay. Dad says, let's go up to Haran 700 miles. They hang out there. Dad dies. God comes back and says, hey, I want you to get out of here. But it says it took a lot of his possessions. He took his possessions, okay? Which means that God really blessed him in Haran, you go, okay, so what, where, are you, where, where are you going with this? Where, where are you going with this? I think a lot of people make the mistake that Abraham's not going to make, but a lot of people make this mistake. You go, why? Because God was blessing Abraham in agree. Can we agree with that? Amen. In Haran? You go, yes, amen. But what if, what if Abraham said, now, God, I'm good? I'm being blessed here, right? My my dad died here. I'm going to be blessed. And thinking that was good enough. What if he just stayed in Haran? It's like, wow. Aren't you glad he didn't? Aren't you glad he didn't, that he heard God's voice, he followed the Lord, and he followed him all the way to the land of Canaan. Now, their journey, guys, was was from Haran to Canaan? It's not recorded. It doesn't say how, but it probably came. Now, okay, so you go from here. Okay, you go from Ur of Chaldees up north, seven, about seven hundred plus miles. Okay, and then you would drop down to the land of Israel, where we know now, but it's it's the land of Canaan right now. Okay, so you now and now you have another six hundred mile journey, and you're thinking about this, Abraham? Yes, Lord. I'm blessing you all over the place. Yep, man, I've got livestock. I've got goods. This is cool. Haran's not a bad place to live, right? It's not a bad... No, but I want you to go to the land of Canaan. Why? I have so much more for you. Okay, so you want me to take a 600-mile journey. Lord, that's hard with all these people, but I want to bless you so much more. There's more coming from you than what meets the eye. And Abraham says, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so obedience, guys, is the key. Obedience to the word of God. Obedience is what's going to bring blessing in our lives. That's what he's talking about. Now, the one thing that I noticed, Pastor, if you're saying that it's 600 miles, what's the first thing that we saw? Well, you go, Ben, you mentioned it. It was obedience, okay? But what's the second thing that has to happen? Guys, there has to be faith to do it, don't you think? Okay, I'm going to do it, but I've got to have faith. Faith and patience to complete it. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to write down, okay? In our walks with God, in our walks, do we have faith and patience to finish the race? Faith and patience, faith and patience. You go, wow, okay. So he needed obedience and he had faith and he had patience. Way to go, Abraham. That's cool. But I also want to show you something else. You go, what's that? Something I found very interesting. It's easy to see that Abraham was blessed. He was a wealthy man. You go, that's right. You said that, Ben. But here's what I want you to see. And I want you to make note of it, guys. His wealth wasn't a barrier to his walk with God. His wealth was not a barrier to his walk with God. In other words, God says, you need to go. He's like, yes, sir, let's go. I don't care how how many, how, what, you know what? It, the wealth had nothing to do with it. And that's what I love about that, guys. I love, I love, I love the fact that Abraham kept his eyes on God. He kept his eyes on the prize and it wasn't about the stuff. It wasn't about the stuff. And you see, that is such... That is such bondage to a lot of people today as they get caught up in the stuff and they're not doing what God... Now listen, this is God. This is God directing you and calling you. Oh, I wish I could, God, but I can't because I have to maintain and take care of my stuff. How much better to go, it's just stuff. God, I want to do what you called me to do. I've called you to sell all your stuff. All right, I'll do it. To have that heart, right? What are y'all thinking? Rich young ruler, do you guys remember? He came to the Lord, right? He came to Jesus. I mean, here's Jesus and he's like, Lord, tell me what I do to get salvation. I'm paraphrasing. And he says, man, listen, I'll tell you what, keep the commandments and, and, and he says, all of those ones I've kept from my youth and You guys remember? And he says, okay, you want to really be complete? Go sell all of the stuff, give the money to the poor, and come follow me. And what does it say? He went away sorrowful. He was super bummed because his possessions had him. Here's God in the flesh, fully God and fully men, saying, come follow me. And he's like, oh. He said, he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Abraham? Well, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Well, the Bible says, guys, that not only did he leave, he departed, but he took Lot with him. Remember Lot? Now, here's the question. We note that Abraham took his nephew, Lot. Now, I'm not sure if this was a mistake to take Lot with him. I can understand as an uncle, you're like, listen, I've got to take care of him. But but here's what we see. We learn that Lot does cause a lot of trouble for Abram. If you go to Israel today, there's actually a place up in Telden, okay? It's up north, and there's, it's called Abraham's Gate, guys. And, and this is believed to be the gate that Abraham came through as he went to Canaan to Get his, get his nephew Lot, rescue him from, from when they kidnapped him. And he came through this gate, and, and there's been problems. And, 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 and eventually, guys, eventually Lot and Abram have to separate so that God could advance his plan with Abram. He says, Lot, you look to the right, you go, so forth. But we don't know if it's a mistake or not, but we know that Abram's taking his nephew Lot. Verse six, and Abram passed through the land to a place called a place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of More. And the Canaanites were in the land. Everybody, see verse six. Here's what I want you to underline. Okay, in your Bibles, Abraham passed through the land. Okay, that's what I want you. To, the first thing I want you to see, first and foremost, that he passed through. I want you to underline that, and then I want you to see and notice that the Canaanites were in the land. Okay? Canaanites were in the land. The Canaanites, you know where they came from? Brother Ham. He had a son named Canaan, and so his descendants were the Canaanites. So Abram travels very far, passed through the land, and ends up in Shechem. If you're taking note, you don't have to write this down, but it's modern-day uh, nebulous, modern-day nebulous. If you go to Israel or you look on a map, guys, it's kind of central Israel, and it's right over there, and there's a city, it's also, it's, 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 it's nebulous, and, and basically that's modern-day, um, it's, it's modern-day Shechem, okay? And right now the Bible says that the promised land, if you will, is occupied by... The Canaanites, the Canaanites. Now, here, let's let's apply this to our lives, okay? From the time that Abraham left, okay, he was a pilgrim, okay. A pilgrim, guys, is someone who leaves his home for another home, right? We're here at the Ur of Chaldees. God says, "Hey, Abram, yes sir, you got to go," right? And so he begins his pilgrimage. He's a pilgrim. He goes up to her hand, and then he's headed down. He's passing through Shechem. We know he's a pilgrim. You go, But how can we apply this to our lives? Well, jot this down. Here's what I want you to see. We are also pilgrims. We are also pilgrims. We're just like Abraham, okay? Here's what you need to grasp, okay? Everybody grasp it like this. You go, what's that? Earth, guys, I don't want my tent pegs too deep. This is not my home. Okay, Uh, how wonderful it is, and and this is not our home. God has asked you to leave this home for another home one day. And and, and really, guys, that's the goal. For the believer, that's where we want to end up. We want to end up in the place where we're like, oh, Lord, I just want to be with you. I just want to live in heaven with you. I want to serve you. And he says, but you're a pilgrim you're just passing wait wait didn't didn't you're just passing through didn't we see that yeah we did see it said that Abraham just passed through and that's the same thing for us we're just passing through we're just passing through so what should we do well what do we do if we're 14 or we're a lot older than 14 we make the most guys we make the most of our lives we glorify god but we simply remember we're just passing through and whatever years that god gives us we live them to the fullest for his glory. We, 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 we close our eyes each night and we say, no regrets for Jesus, no regrets. Yeah, Ben, but you don't understand. I was at school today. I told people I'm a Christian and they were upset with me and, and they wanted to fight me. Yeah, but you're still it out on the line. You say, it's because I love Jesus. Well, we had family. They didn't understand. and Yeah, but you're laying it. You're laying it down, guys. You're laying it down. Guys, we're just passing through. Amen. We're just passing through. And here's the beauty of Christianity. Okay? Here's the beauty of Christianity. If a loved one who knows Jesus departs, we get to see him again. We get to see him again. It's not all loss. I mean, he may not be on earth, but he's very much alive in our hearts. Would you agree? He or she? But then, but then that one day, man, what a beautiful reunion. You get to see all those that have gone before. And sometimes we forget that with, with us down here. Sometimes we forget because we're like this, oh, it's in...
0: But it's like, oh, oh.
1: Let me just say this too, and you guys know this. Heaven isn't heaven without Jesus, is it? And that's the whole point. We need to love Jesus so much that it's like heaven isn't heaven without... unless. Man. Man, that's our God. So how do you know, Ben, that Abram was a pilgrim? How do you know he was a pilgrim of God? Okay? Well, we told what, what was a pilgrim? It was someone who leaves his leaves his home for another home. That's what Abram's doing. Okay, but, but, let me give you three marks of a Pilgrim of God. This is how we're different. You ready? This is how Abraham was different, but this is how we're different. This is how we should be different in our walks. Jot this down. Number one, Abraham was clothed differently. He was clothed differently, okay? He wasn't dressing like the Canaanites. He was clothed differently, and I think we need to be clothed differently as well. and I'm not talking about our clothes but 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 who we are, right? We're clothed differently. We look different. And we have to be so careful, guys, because we don't want to invite the world to be in our church to try to reach the world. We want to take our church and go out and reach them. But we got to be so careful because God calls us to be different. Number two, Abraham, he speaks a different language. He speaks a different language. Okay? We speak a different language. We speak life, guys. The world speaks death. We speak life and encouragement, and we speak with, with faith and prayer that God hears us in the beautiful form of belief. We say, God, God we, we, we trust you, and we speak a different language, and the world might curse and cuss, and, and the world might throw all of this stuff in, but we, sh- we should be different. We should be different. What's the third mark? The third mark, guys, is that we have different values different values, okay? Our value system is based on God, based on God. Clothed differently, speaks different language, different values. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still the south, okay? So Abram is still obedient Okay. And so he he arrives in Canaan. The Lord appears to him and he gives them further assurance. Did you guys catch that in verse seven? And the Lord appeared to him. Abraham, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. Okay. So what's a couple of things that we see? First and foremost, jot this down. If you're taking note, he says, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Okay. This was a promise made to Abram that his descendants would get the promised land. Why is that important? Here's what I want you to think about before we move on. Okay. When Abraham dies, the only thing he owns is a cave. That's the only thing he owns there in Machpelah, okay? Machpelah is what it is. Okay, so that's all he owns. So God says, no, it's the land. That's the first thing. The second thing we learn, guys, and here you got to grasp this, Abraham builds an altar to the Lord. Wherever he goes, he builds an altar to the Lord. Why? Because first and foremost, it was a place for people to meet with God, It was a place to offer sacrifice, and it was a place to submit and worship God. Abraham knew that. So each place that Abraham goes within the promised land, he builds an altar to call upon the name of the Lord and to worship God. I thought that was amazingly interesting. Well, Abraham, he stops in Shechem, right? We see that, then moves 20 miles south guys, to Bethel between Ai, and he builds an altar. And then in verse nine, it says, notice, so Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. He actually went as far as the Negev desert, okay? If you take the Dead Sea, okay, and you go actually go a little bit south, that's where he ended up. So he almost like, he sort of like passed it all, right? There's, I'm not sure what's down on, on the Negev, but there's, there's Abraham, he, there he is. And now things change, okay? Things change. Let's see if we can do this in the next few minutes. Here's what I want you to see. Abraham was a man of faith, but right now he has a faith relapse. You go, what do you mean? Look at verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. Everybody say, oh no that's exactly what happened. Abraham freaks out, right? So instead of trusting the living God, now God has spoken to him and God reassured him. And now there's a famine. And instead of trusting him, guess what he does? He takes his family nearly 200 miles west to Egypt. That's what he does. There's a family. He's like, oh, here's what you need to write in your Bibles. You ready? Egypt in scriptures has always been a type of the world. So Egypt has always been a type of the world. So there's a famine in the land. Let me ask you a question. You ready? Did God know that there was going to be a famine? Absolutely, right? God knew. Abraham didn't know, but he was called to trust the Lord. He was called to trust the living God. And what does he do? Instead of doing that, he goes where? He goes back into the world. Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest, okay? It's easy for you and I to admonish Abraham right here. Right here we go. Come on, Abraham. Come on, do you trust the Lord? Man, listen, if I if God spoke to me the way he spoke to you, I would trust the Lord. And it's easy to admonish him. But let's let's talk reality. Reality, when we're put in the same situation, we're most likely to do the same thing. It really is, right? why? Because when we get stressed out, when things go bad, when there's a famine, when whatever's going on, we tend to go back to the world for help and comfort. Why? When things go bad in your life, you don't want a Christian. You go, "Man, I'm going to go to my worldly friends and see what they say." Why? Because all Christians are going to do is give me the Bible verse, man. I want and we go we do exactly what Abraham does instead of trusting the Lord and and going back to the world. Now, Here's what you need to understand, okay? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, Now all these happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admon- admonition to whom the ends of the ages have come. So, Here's what I find interesting. The things that we're reading here in Genesis, it happened to them so we could learn from that. He says there's going to be famine in our land. There's going to be stresses. There's going to be storms. There's going to be things that happen. Don't go find comfort in the world. Don't go back to Egypt. I don't know he might have he might have went back to the Ur of Chaldees if it wasn't so far, but I know he went to Egypt. Verse 11 says and it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt he he said to his wife to he said to Sarai his wife Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. He says, ooh, baby, you're good looking. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. He says, notice verse 13. Please say that you are my sister and that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. Now, here's what we remember, okay? What do we remember? This is a half-truth. You guys with me? This is a half-truth. Why? Because in reality, I mean, Sarah is his half-sister, but the reality is is that's his wife. That's his wife. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He writes on this. Listen, quote, one sin leads to another. First, Abraham trusted Egypt. Now he trusted his wife, Lie to protect him. Genesis twenty thirteen makes it clear that Sarah was equally guilty with Abraham, and twenty verse twelve indicates that the lie was really a half truth, for she was his half sister. Was Abraham's action right now going to Egypt was that one of the servant of God? Listen. This is hard for us to grasp because we do the same thing. But, it, but Abraham showed he trusted in worldly policy than in God's promise. He says, well, this is what's going to happen. They're going to look at you. They're going to look at you, right? Guess what happened? Now, I want you to catch this, guys. I'm going to speak to the men for just a moment. Abraham, at this point, because he was the spiritual leader, he led his wife to sin, He led his wife to sin. Men, listen to me. God has called us. We're supposed to lead our wives to righteousness, not into sin. Because Abraham freaked out in the whole famine thing, and he said, guess what happened? Sarai followed, and... You go well, Ben. The Bible just said that they both were involved in this. Yes, but he's the spiritual leader. He's the leader. And guys, listen, listen. Our wives, man, God made him in such the way. God made, made him in such a way that when we don't trust him and follow him, we cause division in our home. We sin and we lead others into that sin. You have to know that. You have to know that. Tell him you're my sister. Why? Well, you're beautiful and they'll kill me. They'll kill me. Verse 14, so it was when Abraham came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman and said, she's beautiful. And the princes princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house and he treated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. Guys, here's what I put, still not right. You go. What do you mean? Just because the world blesses you doesn't mean you're walking with God. He went to Egypt. Egypt's like, man, here she is. And and notice what it says. He had. He was treated. He was. He he treated Abram well for her sake, and he was blessed. And I thought, no. How many times do we think? Well, I'm not really doing what God wants me to do, but He's blessing me, and I'm going, man, that this still doesn't make it right. And then God, and God steps in. Notice verse 17. And I put here, rebuked by a king. Notice, by the pagan king. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with, his, with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore... Here is your wife, take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Guys, it's really a sad deal when when the world rebukes us. When we should be obedient to God. The Lord stepped in and Pharaoh's like, God, what did you do? What did you do? But here's the point I want to make, guys, as we close. Here's the point, Okay. We see Abraham what did he do? He made a huge he made a huge blunder, didn't he? He made a huge mistake. And he continues to make those mistakes. He's you know what? He made some bad choices. But that's not going to keep God from using him in a big way you go, well, Ben, what does Abram need to do? He needs to go back to basics. He needs to find his faith. He needs to come back to the Lord. He needs to trust him. Our biggest problem, guys, honestly, is that we keep making bad choices and we keep going back to Egypt. And eventually we lose heart and we lose faith in God. But here's what I want to say. Even if you've blown it today, even if you've made some mistakes, God can still use you in in a huge way. But we have to come back to basics. We have to come back and say, God, please, I want to surrender to you in his will, and his way. Because God wants to take us from ordinary to extraordinary, and that's his work, not ours. We have to be willing. We have to be obedient. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We love you. And it's in your name we pray.